void of space. It never ends. It never will. And yet, here you are, drifting through the nothing. Will you float? Or will you sink? To the place where the mind melts and the body dies. Below the surface of reality. Here, the only thing you know is you and the stories you carry. Welcome to the Cryopod Tapes. Immune System by Jacob Chapman What is the moral of the story? I asked. I floated between exhaustion and a daydream, hovering at that place where the cow hit her apex to the sounds of a fiddle and eloping crockery. It had been 36 hours since I slept, and I wondered if Candace and Abigail forgot that I was still out here, high over the moon. No, I told myself. It had to be a joke. Distasteful? Yes, but a joke. The dogs would have had their laugh. It seems to be an allegorical commentary on the ethical implications of the consumption of alcohol in excess. Tom replied, sober as always. He made a piss-poor companion, but I did not have the luxury of being choosy. I envied his endurance and pitied his lack of humanity. To kill some time... I was attempting to teach his dry user interface some of the final points of humor. I felt thin, like a flag furling in an unseen wind, image captured by a high-speed camera and replayed on an endless loop. I stopped using my calories to grip the small handle on Ralph 12. My safety tether kept me connected to the satellite, but I needed something to keep me in front of the controls. I hoped that my duct-taped hand would hold. It had been a pain in the ass to wrap. My free gloved hand could not scratch through all 14 layers to relieve the places that could use a good set of nails. My spacesuit smelled of perspiration and other bodily functions instead of the usual phthalites. The sun and earth burning like hell on my back. While grateful that I opted out of the typical MAG, the status of the Texas catheter and fecal containment device was an unpleasant thought that often crossed my mind. I wondered how Dante forgot to write about his 11th Bulgia, reserved for the practical Joker. Sorry, sport. The real moral is, quit while you're ahead, I stated. Tom mused the pun in the eerie vacuum of freefall. I did not expect him to laugh, and it was objectionable to laugh at my own joke. I yawned to break the silence instead. My orexin A drip gave my brain the illusion of a three-hour nap, but I had not anticipated the unforeseen complications in fixing the atmospheric immune system. I chuckled, possibly giving Tom the wrong idea. Unlike Earth, the lunar atmosphere was thin and artificially pressurized. Incoming small solar system bodies would not burn up upon entry. Luna's immune system consisted of 30 Ralph and 60 Norton satellites tethered above the atmosphere. My dad should be proud of this spacewalk. 
for some egotistical reason, he wanted a medical man for a son. Not someone to take up the surgery practice or his cytological research. He would never hand over his hobbies. The man was the god of reversing cellular entropy, and cellular repair was his priesthood. He wanted someone to share his cold pleasure of having the final say in a person's life. And here I was, operating on the celestial scale. He taught me the joy of fixing things that were broken, but regretted when I reached for a wrench, oil can, and the stars instead of his laser scalpel and stem cells. It wasn't that the human body was not complex enough for me. I just didn't like hospitals, nurses, or needles. I wanted to leave. He did not understand that either. I understand, Dave. The humorous anecdote depends on the homophonic sounds of a head and the last body part to disappear at the story's climax. It's not funny when you analyze the hell out of it, Tom. Just let the punchline wash over you. My words helped to reassure that I was sloshing to and fro in the unruly tide of someone's practical punchline. Anyone aboard the shuttle was qualified for this spacewalk, but two days previous, I used a clear rubber band on the kitchen sprayer to initiate a zero-g water fight with the twins. We had a good laugh about it, but cleanup was a bitch. It was therefore no surprise that I lost two out of three games of Odd Man Out and was thereby elected Reintegration Monkey. It appeared that the games were rigged. I suited up and rode the defective satellite. I was still waiting for the blue LED to light, indicating that Ralph 12 was reintegrated into the primary system so I could start the recalibration process. My crewmates were taking their sweet time. I sipped gingerly on the liquid from my in-suit drink bag, which tasted like orange juice concentrate, no pulp. The stiff liquid warmed my belly and caused my head and throat to throb with the effort of biting and drawing it from the tube. I do not wish to alarm you, Dave. Despite his lack of humor, Tom was an expert at changing the subject of a conversation. I doubt you could, Tom. What's up? Another CO2 dump? Yes, and Ralph 12's oxygen just hit 2%. That gives me, what, 30 minutes? 28 minutes. I nodded, a useless gesture in a spacesuit, and Tom lacked the necessary in-suit ocular nodes to catch it anyway. But who's counting, right? Tom did not answer. Sarcasm should be our topic for the next mission. Besides, I said, my EMU tanks are still at 15%. That's at least another hour of air at minimal activity. I could also use my safer to propel myself to another satellite, I thought, but did not express the idea out loud. I often joked with my colleagues that their ability to maneuver in zero-g was so poor that they would be the first astronaut to have to use their safer. Tom would disapprove. He was very much a by-the-book sort of guy. Below me, the metropolis lights of Tycho winked. It was difficult to tell where the suburbs of Tycho ended and the city of Piteus began, but the sea of clouds glistened like a mirror in the waning sunlight. I convinced myself it was beautiful, 
like a desert garden forced to blossom by a flash flood. The climate reminded me of Phoenix, with its contrast between light and shade. The edge of the sea of tranquility would be visible from the shadow in about a week. I owned a small cabin on the sterile shores of the crystal clear reservoir between the years of the jade rabbit or crotch, depending on how you looked at things. It was a log affair, imported Alaskan Sitka spruce and red cedar. I wanted that specific smell, like living in the bowels of an old guitar, rustic, reminiscent, and unbefitting of the dusty, tranquil shore. Money was no constraint back then, and the astronomical shipping cost was rolled into my signing bonus. I fished occasionally, like Dad and I used to before I left Earth. The last time I fished with my father, I was full of blind ambition. I told my father that I would work my way to Mars, and I would send him a salmon from Valis Marineris. I suppose I was fishing for a compliment, encouragement, some sort of blessing before I left Earth. Hell, he said, casting his line like the old man of the sea. By the time you make it to Mars, they'll have fish on Titan. Then I will fish there as well. We have fish on Earth too, you know. I don't know why you're in such a hurry to get your ass as far away as you can. Running away won't solve anything. You need to settle down, plant some damned roots. Will you stop, please? I'm not running away. There is good money in space. Can you tell me what's up there? that you can't find down here? People die in space. Challenger, Columbia, Endeavourer 2, the new International Space Station. All here one instant and gone the next. No warning, no survivors. Tragic accidents, ultimate sacrifices for the, for the conquest of space. What the hell is out there to be won? And why do you need to be on the front line? There are plenty of opportunities in the space program on the ground. If you really wish to throw your life away pursuing vain daydreams, what do you want from me, Dad? I want you to be happy. Truly happy. Like you are happy? No, thank you. You have potential, son. I hate to see it squandered. It's killing me. When the hell are you going to accept that I am an astronaut? And that I am damn good at it? You would have made a fine doctor. You could have been someone useful by now, helping people instead of chasing asteroids or whatever the hell you're doing up there. Look around you, Dad. This place is falling apart. They are building Eden up there. There has never been a war on Luna. There are no armies, no viruses, famine, or climate change. Life expectancy is 120. That is a miracle you will never perform. For the first time in my life, my father hit me. He waited for the boat to stop rocking before he spoke. It is the damn moon, son. You are abandoning your home. You are abandoning the bones of your mother. You are abandoning me. I wish I had a reply to that. I finally turned and looked at Earth, the undesirable rock in the solar system. It was no longer recognizable as the home I left only five years ago. 
The Sitkas and Redwoods no longer grew on the Pacific coast, where my father owned the cabin, before the arrival of the infection. It was Africa that faced me now, the surface charred and dotted with bright Zimbabwe-sized bulges that reminded me of pus pockets on a planetary sore throat. The oceans were black with the pollutions of a dying world. The smoky atmosphere shrouded the lit portion of the planet in a red haze, making the planet resemble a young Mars. Rising in upheavals, drenched in its own oxidized blood. Countless were the satellites which glittered with the glow of infection. They sparkled like an orbiting film of fairy dust. The bright bulges were colonies of infection. Settlements of microscopic alien life spreading across the planet like mold on moist bread. I watched the infection creep across the surface of the planet, bulldozing the human civilization like a luminescent glacier. Tendrils whipped out of the main mass, moving it along with the strategic intelligence of some sort of hive consciousness. A bright flash occurred near Cairo, a nuclear blast. The edge of the targeted bulge dimmed, flattened, but remained intact. In retaliation, the sentient pool of infection coned into a mountain and erupted like a volcano spewing out new colonies that splattered over the continent and sank into the stagnant ocean. It would have been beautiful if it were not digesting humanity. The conflict ranging on Earth was little concern to the independent Republic of Luna. We watched over them like an immunized nurse attending a terminal patient. There were those who searched for a miracle cure, but popular action was more a matter of praying for an easy passing. We remained uninfected because of the lunar anti-SSSB grid. I looked back at the LED and cursed. The damn light remained unlit. Try the communicator again, Tom, I said. No reply, Dave, Tom said. Discovery 2 is still on the far side of Luna. I again nodded but I did not translate the action for Tom. How many minutes of air does Ralph have left? Ten minutes, Dave. Ten agonizing minutes later, I felt a drop in temperature on my back as I switched to my personal oxygen reserve. I turned to find the sun eclipsed by a fast-moving object. I sighed and unwrapped the mass of duct tape that secured my left hand. Discovery 2 emerged out of the sun's corona and slowed as I freed my hand from Ralph 12. Looks like I'm the holder of a new spacewalk record, Tom. It will look good on your CV, Tom said. I flicked Ralph's LED with my fat gloved finger and began to key in the sequence for recalibration. I wondered if I had a replacement diode in one of my pockets. I do not wish to alarm you, Dave. The recalibration failed. Damn it, Tom. I said, rekeying the sequence. What now? Tom hesitated, which did alarm me. All my attempts to synchronize with Destiny 2's data stream have failed. Something's interfering with the signal. The after image of Discovery 2 sliding after the sunlight burned in my mind. There was something wrong with the shape. I looked at the shuttle. The smooth, black-tiled underside was speckled with dimly glowing globs of infection. I stared as the shuttle began to move closer to me, 
parts of the white surface cracked and sealed with the infection. Discovery 2. I called over the communicator. Come in, dammit. You're infected. Candace, Abigail. My calls went unanswered. I cursed again, disconnected my safety tether, and maneuvered around Ralph's surface. I cannot endorse the disconnection of the safety... Shut up, Tom! Ralph 12's controls were still dead, leaving a gaping hole in the Ico Cahedron lunar protection satellite grid. I walked with my hands towards the nearest of the four lightweight cables that tethered Ralph to one of the 60 Norton satellites. I attached my tether to the cable, released my grip and activated my safer. I jammed the stick hard and the silent burn of the iron thruster made my suit look baby blue. I burned until my xenon reserve hit 50%. I emptied my in-suit drink bag en route and braked with 10 meters to spare. I fingered my tether release, but friction had burned out the mechanism. I drew my pair of snips before Tom voiced any objections. I cut the steel tether and pulled myself hand over hand the final stretch. Norton satellites were smaller and provided fewer grips. I maneuvered around the surface with care. My tether was severed and my safer was depleted. Norton's primary function was to hold in and pressurize the thin lunar atmosphere but they housed redundant weapons system controls of the two Ralph satellites to which they were connected. Tom, where is the service panel? I asked. To your right, Dave, he said, causing the appropriate panel to glow red on the technical layer of my HUD. But this particular satellite doesn't require surfacing. I removed the metal panel, exposing the control circuit. The panel floated away. Tom, how do I hack into the targeting system? Access to the targeting system is not available to someone of your rank. It's an emergency, dammit! I need a workaround! Discovery 2's shadow rested upon me as it slowed, synchronizing with the satellite's lunar orbit. A long, glowing tendril of infection extended slowly from the underside of the shuttle and whipped towards me. Tom relayed me the sequence to put the operating system in debug mode. With a sudden flash of inspiration, I removed Discovery 2's signature from the list of accepted lunar orbiters. Ralph 13's targeting controls warned a fracture beam was set as the default ordinance. But I did not want millions of pieces floating around that close to the hole in the grid. I cursed as I keyed the command to run a full self-diagnostic of the focusing module and beam nodes. The beam was out of commission for 40 minutes and the nuclear warheads climbed to the primary slot. Tom objected, spluttering regulations and consequences, but I ignored him. Norton 47 calculated a delay time and ordered Ralph 13 to fire the smallest payload at the unauthorized spatial asset. My head was yanked backward as the tendril of infection gripped my face shield and wrenched. My grip on the handhold started to slip under the constant tug of the slime in front of my eyes. Ralph 13 fired. My neck nearly snapped as the small missile connected with Discovery 2. The tendril released me as the missile sent the shuttle spinning out of orbit like a lopsided cue ball. I breathed heavily. I counted the delay, averted my eyes, and Discovery 2 exploded. 
I opened my eyes and I looked at the thin layer of glowing residue on my face shield. It swirled, trying to reform itself into a coherent mass. Failed. Began digesting the polysulfone instead. My suit was infected. I looked down at the cold moon home to which I could never return. The lights and sea glistened in the sunlight. I longed to immerse myself in the cold water and let a lifetime of pain and exhaustion bleed out of me. I would then drag my naked body onto the shore to dry in the heat of the sun. When I was ten, my mother died on the operating table. For a long time, I believed that had my father been at the helm, she may have lived. But he was behind a different door, saving someone else's life. He heard about Mom's accident two hours after resuscitation failed. That afternoon, I was picked up from school by Mom's best friend, Katie. When Dad finally came for me, he said, I have to tell you straight. In every life, a little blood is lost. Your mom lost too much today. Even as a young boy, I knew that I should have said something to my father. Failing that, I should have at least embraced him. But I just stood there, like I did not know what he was saying. She died, he said. It is your job to save people, I said, knowing how unfair and cutting the words would be. There is war raging inside all of us. Disease, trauma, degeneration, and we all lose eventually. People die, David. I can persuade cells to prolong life, but I can't stop death. I wish that my Snoopy cat would somehow make a long-distance call. I wanted to break the five-year silence with my father and end the twenty-five years of festering blame. If anyone was still alive on earth fighting the infection, it was my dad. I loosened my grip on Norton and hung for a moment before kicking off towards Earth's sunny side. I drifted at a steady two and a half meters per second. I could quote you on the probability of rescue, Dave, Tom said. That's okay. I'll pass. Do you know any good jokes, Tom? I overheard one concerning a chicken. Are any roads involved? No. That will do. Remember to take your time with the setup. You have my full attention. All right, Dave. The infection grew, obscuring my view of the infected planet. Drifting like an expanded white blood cell. I listened to the technical operations manual recite the eavesdropped chicken joke. I would run out of oxygen before the infection ate through my suit, I hoped. But perhaps before the punchline. Damn, there's a thing that rubs, I thought, taking a deep breath.
You have been listening to Cryopod Tapes. Today's story was Immune System, written by Jacob Chapman. Thank you for tuning in to this very first episode of the Cryopod Tapes podcast. This episode was produced and narrated by Ted Huggins. The original music was also produced by Ted Huggins. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a nice review. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Cryopod Tapes.